Welcome, everyone, to the Jake Dunlap Show. This is your weekly dose of real success stories from entrepreneurs, athletes, celebrities, CEOs, and the people that you love. If you've ever wondered what makes people tick, what are the weird things that happened to them in their past that helped to shape the people that they've became? Every Thursday at 8 a.m. Eastern, you can tune in and get exactly that. The behind, behind the scenes, not the typical behind the scenes, but the real stories that shape some of the people that you know, love, and follow. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to another episode of The Jake Dunlap Show. This should be a fun conversation. I mean, these guys are mixing it up, you know, with everybody that, that you know and love. You know, every episode, we're talking to people who are entrepreneurs, CEOs, thought leaders, celebrities, talking about their journey, what made them successful, what got them to be successful. And we've got a two for one. We got a two for today. So I've got, you know, two uh, individuals joining me. These gentlemen left the confinements of Boston, went to Vegas to work together. And then the best part is one of them had a new child. So then they moved back to Boston because they couldn't be separated. Like these guys have to be together, you know, 24-7. What these guys are doing is really changing the way that we think about the creator economy. And we're going to talk today about, you know, kind of Web 3.0 and like, what the hell does that even mean? We'll talk about the creator economy. But, you know, we're going to start with the journey. You know, these guys have really created one of the most popular, you know, social media startups, you know, that exists today. Uh, and as a testimony to their success, their brand has gained many famous users, Diplo, 50. Yeah, that's how you know you know. if you, you just say 50. You don't say 50 cent. You just say 50. You know what I mean? Steve Aoki, Megan Trainer, Jeff, Jeff Bezos, Chris Paul, you know, TB12. I'm, not a, I'm more of a Patrick Mahomes guy, but, you know, we'll give it to them. So, ladies and gentlemen, please join me in welcoming the founders of Hubi, uh, Casson Ward and Mr. Jordan Green. Field. Jordan, thank you, and Kasson for joining us. Yeah, looking forward to it, Jake. Thank you so much. Thanks for having us, Jake. It's going to be fun, guys. So we'll, we'll jump into it. So first, like, look, again, for both of you, we talked a little bit about it before. This show is all about sharing the journey, the life lessons and things that happen. So, you know, Kasson, maybe you want to start, man. Tell us a little bit about you know, some of the things that you remember, like, I know that, look, you know, you're running a very successful startup. I know you dropped out of high school and like started doing your own thing early. So maybe just talk a little bit about and then Jordan, you just what are some early kind of memories you have and, and lessons that you learned, you know, growing up, you know, and just kind of talk a little bit about, you know, whether it's family life, where you're from, etc. And lessons or kind of things that stood out, you know, around entrepreneurship or business in particular. 100%. I mean, obviously, uh, as you touched on, you know, a bit of a, an unconventional background from small town Colorado. And, you know, growing up, my kind of dream was to, to be an Olympian skier. And, you know, I kind of figured out early on as I started uh, jumping into the ski team that I probably wasn't going to pan out right for me. And I really wanted to learn. I was passionate about doing something and not just something. I wanted to do something big, something that also made, you know, somewhat of a positive impact and could be felt uh, you know, around the world. And so after many months of me telling my mom, I'm not going back to school. Uh, one day I actually just stood up out of class and, uh, walked home, jumped in the shower and I <laughs> the garage door opening up and my mom came down. She's like, what are you doing home? It was like one o'clock in the afternoon. And I just looked her in the eyes and I'm like, you know, mom, I'm not going back. I'm not going back to school. And I must've been uh, 15, 16 years old. Wow. Um, and she just, you know, shrugged her shoulders and said, all right. And from there I kind of, really just jumped into the the mindset of, you know, I'm not going to be the kid that dropped out of high school and, you know, stayed at his parents' house and, you know, didn't make much of his life. And so I got a job. I moved out when I was, uh, yeah, 15, 16. 
I had my first apartment, was working up at the ski area. And from there, I was like, you know what? I need to do something uh, quick because, you know, you you don't want to get caught up in that hometown kind of, you know, uh, bubble, right? And, you know, I asked myself, like, I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do. I would ask myself, you know, what does everyone want to do? And it's that dream, you know, you have as a kid. Um, You know, someone might say I wanted to be a firefighter or an astronaut or, you know, a rock star. And for me, my dream was, you know, as a young kid, 10, 11, was to be a rock star. And so I thought, you know, I'm not going to be a rock star, but if you can't, uh, if you can't beat them, join them. So I went to Boston, started working in music. And, you know, from there, really fell in love with the idea of, you know, the entertainment space and working with these, you know, larger than life names. Um, but then I ended up hearing the word startup, you know, and this is back in, God, 2013. And I had no idea what that meant. But uh, the second I really, you know, jumped into that, I learned that, you know, being a startup founder is, you know, you're putting yourself in the position to be that rock star. And that was kind of the new age of rock starism. So that's, uh, you know, kind of why, why I'm here today. That's cool, man. Jordan, before you, before you jump in, I got just a, a kind of a quick follow-up for you, Kazan. Like, where do you feel like, like the, I guess it's like, I think probably a lot. I mean, every high school, not every, but lots of high school kids are probably like, man, this shit sucks. Like, this is not like my path. Like, where do you feel like the, I guess balls or, you know, like the gumption to do that came from to be, and then to also have the foresight to like, say, I've got a greater purpose. Cause I think, you know, other people might, you know, make a big decision like that and be like, I'll figure it out later. But, you know, it sounds like you had that, like, where do you feel like that came from? You know, that like, uh, belief in yourself you know it's, it's a good question every everything i always wanted to do um whether it was you know skiing and my mom told me this uh not too long ago you know it, it was never i could never do it small i could never just do it like the rest of the kids i had to you know not just be on the ski team i had to try to go to the olympics you know um i had to not just buy a guitar i had to try to go be a rock star or i had to not just move to boston to intern somewhere i had to you know, start my own company. And so I'm sure Jordan can tell you I'm stubborn um, as anyone else. And, you know, I always want to, uh, like I said, you know, kind of be that larger than life figure or at least be behind a project, something like Hubi that can be uh, its own larger than life vehicle. And, you know, I think, again, Jordan can tell you I'm I'm just stubborn. Once I find something I want to do, I'm not going to really let my teeth out of that or change my change my ways for that at all. Love it, man. Love it. All right, Jordan, what about you, man? Again, much different, much different kind of like, you know, background from, you know, obviously going, getting your MBA, etc. But what are some things that you remember kind of life lessons? I know you're a big lax bro as well, too. So you're, you're like different. Yeah, I was, I was educated. Kasim wasn't. <laughs> but yeah, I, I was an athlete. And I think I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that. I think um, my athletic journey definitely plays into my personality as a founder, as a leader. This idea of team has always been really important to me. You touched on the fact that we moved back to Boston and now we're actually all moving back out West um, as a team, but we really have built that culture of a family at Hoobie and that's been incredibly important to us. Um, so I think a lot of my lessons uh, early on in my life came through sports and came through um, this idea of getting knocked down ten, nine times and, 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 and continuing to get up. And I think that's really been the story with Hubie. It's been a it's been a story of persistence. And when we left Boston prior to the pandemic, Hubie, when people say that in, in Boston, it was just Casson and Jordan. Now the, the coolest part about it is to Casson's point, 
Hoobie's become so much bigger than us. And there, there are thousands and, and tens of thousands of people in the world that know about Hoobie that have no idea who we are or that we exist. And I think that's the coolest thing in the world is, is to build something that ultimately becomes so much bigger than you. But in, in terms of lessons, I mean, my dad did t- always tell me from an early age that people at the end of the day still do business with people and the importance of those, uh, the importance of those relationships. And I think we've really, really, um, mastered this idea of, of relationships and doing business with people at Hubi. And that's what allowed the domino to fall for us. And back to the persistence thing, I, I think that what we've learned over the last two years is that manifestation is real. And that when we were in a house, an incubator house in, in Las Vegas, building this stuff and talking to early investors or talking to early people in, in the summer of 2020 and saying we were going to have these names on the platform, people were rolling their eyes and looking at us like we're crazy. And then a year down the road, and I, I love people that like swallow their pride and actually give us props on this, but like Mark from Iconic, um, uh, what's his last name, Cass? Uh, Brazil, Mark Brazil. Yeah, he's an Austin guy. He founded Iconic, the painting company. Great guy. But I was telling him all this. Uh, like he thought I was blowing smoke in the, in the summer of 2020, telling him what, what we were gonna, about to go do. And a year later, later, he reaches out and he says, you delivered on exactly what you said you could do. And to me, that meant the world, especially because there's a lot of people that will pass up on you or, or say no um, and then and then don't don't come around and, and, and give you the props. But we manifested all this and the last thing I'll say on it is as recently as like two months ago, and we're actually doing another event this, this weekend out there, but we did this launch party at David Dobrik's house with 50 Cent and he pulled up and he did a 10 song performance in the backyard. And I actually made it, I referenced this on social, but like prior to launching Hubi or building the product that we built, I've ran that event in my head a million times. And so this idea of actually picturing what you want to go out and accomplish and then taking tangible steps to get there, in my opinion, is is one of the most powerful things in the world. Cassin, do you have that same thing? Like, do you have that kind of manifestation or, you know, again, kind of visualization as well? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, you, you got to have that if you want to be successful startup founder or just, you know, a part of a, a successful startup team. Um, because if you're not fully confident in yourself and what you're, you know, saying to people and what you're pushing out there, it's never going to come to fruition. It's never going to happen. And so, I mean, Jordan, like me and this guy, we used to live in a studio apartment for, you know, a year, a year. In a studio? In a studio apartment. Yeah. Man, that's a dedicated girlfriend to live with. Not just us, my girl too. There was three of us living in there. Well, just to, just to say it too, and it's going to be my wife and we got, we've got a, a, a beautiful baby boy now. But when we were doing that, Jake, we were living in the studio. And I laughed about this this morning with, with um, our chief of staff. Her, her father had <laughs> dropped her off in Boston. I was having a laugh because she's, she's currently living in, in that apartment solo as a 23-year-old. We were doing it as like 25-year-olds with, with three of us in there. But we were going out and acting the part. And we were scrapping our way to make four or five K a month, but we were going out with these, these famous people and some of the biggest names in Boston. But at the end of the night, people didn't realize we were going back to this, this studio. Um, <laughs> and we would laugh because people would be like, what are you guys doing after? Can we come over? And me and Cass would have to make up an excuse. Um, but we, we really strapped into the startup lifestyle early on. And I used to always say to Cass and embrace the suck, man, like this is going to be a marathon. And 
the, the, the horrifying thing about it is, is that 99% of people go through that entire struggle and they don't get to a point where they ever end up cashing out or any of it comes to fruition. And so I can only imagine the mental strain and burden that holds on people when they go four or five years of doing that. And there isn't a light at the end of the tunnel like we found. Exactly. Yeah. You got to be able to, I mean, again, you got to sell yourself before you can sell anyone else. And I think it's just about that, that same stubbornness too, um, you know, in terms of sticking through and seeing it to the end. But yeah, you got to, you got to believe that if you're not going to do it bigger than anyone else, then someone else is going to, you know? I love that. Maybe we'll make that the episode title. Sell yourself before you can sell anyone else. So talk about quickly, like, how'd you guys get together? I mean, obviously, again, like, totally different paths, right? Completely different paths, different lives, different parts of the world. Obviously, you moved to Boston. Like, how did you guys end up getting connected and then, you know, in a studio apartment starting a company together? Gasson always messes this story up for like, we've known each other for probably six years now. And he always tells people we met on a boat, which we didn't. We met at Forbes 30 under 30 conference. Um, it was probably opening night in Boston. A, a good friend of ours, Julian Fialco's dad is a, a brilliant entrepreneur. He founded a, a, um, a venture capital yep. firm in Boston called General Catalyst, which was an early investor in all, a bunch of the, the unicorn companies. But he was responsible for bringing Forbes to Boston and, um, I went, I, I had just gotten back from somewhere. I meant to, went, went to meet up with Julian and I actually went to pick these guys up. And so Cassin probably had a couple cocktails in him. I think there was, there was some DJ performing that night and yeah. I jammed like four idiots in the, in the back of my car. I just pulled up. I'm like, oh, I got to deal with these. I felt like I was back in college. Um, but I, I saw Cassin wheeling and dealing. He had the, the hair slicked back like he does now with his blazer on, um, acting the part and, um, quickly realized that he was just a young hustler like myself trying to find his way and, and trying to make something happen. And so I think our timing aligned in terms of what we were trying to, um, we were both trying to build something from the ground up. And we actually had a podcast called Ground Up for a while there, but we both had that itch to really build something of our own from the ground up. And our cross, our, our paths really cross right at that that point. No, it was, it was it was great, and I think the important thing to touch on too is, you know, before Jordan and I really jumped in and, and said let's do this thing together, um, you know, we we became really good friends, and you know, started going out and you know having fun together first, and um, like Jordan said, we we had that podcast as well, and so I think there's just a lot of momentum built up, and you know, when I really saw what Jordan was starting to build out with Hubie. And when I really got to know who he was, um, I saw that he was a leader and I saw that, you know, again, he was kind of that, that more athletic driven team player, um, in the sense where it's like, you know, he, he understood the team sports and how to see that through to the end and be a good team captain. And I put, you know, my full trust into that and it's obviously led us here. So it wasn't, uh, wasn't a bad bet to place. How does that work now with you two? You know, we'll, we'll get into kind of the starting of the company and uh, kind of lessons there. But, you know, how does that dynamic work? You know, I think a lot of people, you know, they're like, don't bring your friends into business or don't, you know, don't do, you know, there's like a line that you want to kind of create. Like, how have you guys made it work? You know, have you guys made it work of, you know, working together and keeping that relationship? <laughs> yeah, it, it's been completely, completely dysfunctional throughout the entirety of it. And I, I think that that's healthy. I, I, I think that we've, we've been attached to the hip for like five, six years now. And I think it's, it's natural, whether it's a, a brother figure or whatever, for, for, for there to be times when you butt heads. But I think that what Cassin and I have like 
try to do our very best since day one is like, I know at the end of the day, Cassin wants what best, what's best for Hubie. And he's going to put aside what's best for him in, in, in order to see that through. And I think as long as you have that understanding that you all have that common goal that's more important than your specific needs, then that's how you get through those tough times. Yeah. And I think, you know, too, it's, it's you know, we're family. Like Jordan's my brother. He's my blood. Um, and that goes to stay for everyone on our team. And that's the culture that we've really built, uh, I think, with, within the company where, you know, with friends, uh, even with business partners, you can always, you know, call it quits. You can always say, you know, let's let's sever ties. You know, this isn't working out. But with family, you know, the whole point of, of the word family is no matter what, you're going to be there for each other. And, you know, through thick and thin and through, you know, good and bad. Right. And so that's really the the culture that we've tried to, to bring in place here. And so as much as, you know, Jordan and I can can get at each other's throats. I mean, we uh, we love each other to death. And, and again, the same goes for entire family, the entire team here at Hubie. That's awesome. Yeah. And so, so let's jump into that. So, you know, again, like you, you started to kind of talk about it. So you're in Vegas, it's 2020. You started the company before though, I think what, back in 2016 um, or so, 2017? Yeah, it was more of like an agency to start. So 2016, you started more of an agency and then 2020, like you said, so you moved to Vegas at some point there, you're in this kind of incubator house. I love it's like June, 2020. Like it's like, it's like a, TikTok like creator house of like on you know, creating a business entrepreneurs and you like you said so you start talking talk about this manifestation etc like like I guess it's you know from what you said before it's like dude like it was like of course it was going to work out but like at what point did you guys know that you had a business though like at what point were you guys like all right like we're we're moving like this thing is happening yeah I, I mean and, and I'll touch on that I I think we laid the groundwork with what we did from like 2017, I think it was, through going out to Vegas to be ultimately be successful. We were about to launch a product prior in Boston that we had to pivot from during the pandemic because it was focused on creators still, but it was focused on, on physical locations. Um, and we had always talked about this idea of the fragmentation of social and this idea of somebody's going to come up and consolidate this stuff properly. Um, and I remember back to like 2015 when I was getting really intrigued in social, I had a, a talk with a guy at Spark Capital who was like, the way we see things here is the, the war on social is done. And in my head, I was like, this is so naive. Like there is, there is going to continue to be more and more platforms for different uses in different people's lives. And the, the fragmentation is only going to continue. And, and so when we got out to Vegas, we had already built something. We had already talked about building something similar to that, to what we launched with Hubie Pages. And we kind of returned to that. And Cassim was pulling together like these slapstick pages that he was making manually one by one. And I was like, right. we're not going to do this one by one and build out these, these pages and tease people with a product that doesn't scale. And I was like, we need to figure out a way to get this done. So we, we had our backs against the wall. And I think that's important thing about startups. I think people think in startups, it, it's a, it's a fucking marathon. And we're, we're from Boston. And so we had our backs against the wall there. We were doing consulting gigs to keep the lights on. Like the, the weird consulting gigs we were doing during the pandemic to continue to pay the bills and continue to allow ourselves um, to continue building. It, it was wild. And I, I think that's where your true character is shown when you, when you do have your backs against the wall. So Cass and I are one fair advantage, I would say, because we didn't have many going into this is we had a dear friend who was like Cassin's big brother who became like my big brother, a kid named Nick Perello. 
um, who's a brilliant engineer because it's, it's tough when you're not a technical co-founder in the tech space. Nick founded a couple of Shark Tank companies, one out of his college dorm room called Scully. Um, he then founded another company that got sold to First Republic Bank, which made him the CTO at First Republic Bank as a 30 or 31-year-old kid, managing a team of $380 billion bank. And that's where Nick was working when we started building this out. And I don't know if we're going to get Nick in trouble, but we had Nick starting to build this software for us for free because we didn't have any money. And Nick saw the hustle and, and credit to Nick because he took a bet on us when he was making good money. And we probably, we were, we were definitely a, a little bit of a, a beneficiary and a liability for, for, um, for Nick early on in this because he had some success in his twenties, but he believed in us. And so he, he started building technology for free instead of charging us whatever his crazy rate was. And when I knew it was going to work, I mean, I think when we had 50, 50 join the platform and, and begin using it in, in, in January, but I, I saw it creeping up in the fall of 2020. We do have our, our best group of friends out on, on the West Coast is, is, um, David Dobrik's crew, crew, the vlog squad. Yeah. And so we did have the luxury of building this product around their needs because we saw an opportunity at that stage with everything happening online and people doing new podcasts every day, new merch shops, new live workouts, like all this all this different chaos online because nothing was happening in the physical world, we saw an opportunity to build at the time a better link tree exclusively for celebrities and creators, really built and focused around their needs. So it was really in the fall of 2020, and we had we had somebody that came in at a critical time and put some money in um, because he saw the saw the um, uh, sort of the foundation we had built. So even touching that that specific time right there, Jordan, because that that's where I think everything really changed for us. And and like Jordan said our back was up against the wall, right? We didn't have any money in the bank account left. We were out in Vegas. We were just starting to build a very, very minimal viable product. Jordan had um, a good investor call and we're in Venice Beach at our friend's place Thanksgiving. Uh, We sit down for Thanksgiving dinner. And I'm telling you, as we're sitting down, Jordan pulls up his phone and on his phone is an email uh, from this investor saying, we just signed the papers, you know, to, to give you guys a quarter million dollars to go build this thing and launch it with 50 cent. And right there, we knew we had a shot, but I didn't mean to interrupt you there, Jordan, but like that was the moment. And I think, you know, we went really, were like, let's go and do this thing. And everything just snowballed from there. And we've raised a, a, a lot of money to date since then, Jake, that 250,000 bucks felt like it was freaking 5 million bucks. Yeah, that's that early early validation. So so yeah, I, I get that, man. And and the good part is you guys didn't you just continue to hustle, right? And I think what I see with a lot of entrepreneurs and founders too is they look at the hustle, they look at the game as like I won because I raised money, right? Like uh, oh look at me, I raised five million, I raised two hundred and fifty, as opposed to like are you building a business? <laughs> like, are you building like, it's called a profitable or like a sustainable, you know, business. You don't have to be profitable early, but, um, you know, so I, I think your guys' hustle definitely kind of stands out too. So how do you, you know, like, let, let's kind of jump into, you know, kind of this world, right? So let's talk about, we were talking ahead of time about the creator economy, you know, in this kind of web three, you know, 3.0. So I'd love to get your guys' take, you know, when you think about modern marketing, right? And you think about, the way that companies drive demand or, you know, whether it's insights for their product, whether it's a B2B company, even like, what are like the big trends that you're seeing around this kind of creator economy? What is it? 
and you know what like what are you guys you know excited to be a part of i'm happy to jump in Cass. i i mean i i think for for me it's it's pretty clear the transition we've seen in the creator economy i mean it went from like the 2010 ish era to, to 2013 14 where it was like that the the whole culture out in la was like who's signing the biggest brand deals like going out and, and getting those one-off posts and i think you still see a lot of that today but i think over the last five years, you've seen this transition where creators want to be entrepreneurs. They're all starting their own business. They're all starting their merch lines. At the end of the day, if they can be selling their product instead of someone else's, that's a huge win for them. And you've seen it like, because obviously you have the Kylie Jenners and, and, um, the Scott Disick's of the world who launched these huge brands. And, um, there's, there's a million examples out there of these, of these celebrity brands, but you've seen this transition where people have really gone from, selling other people's brands and getting paid to do so to selling their own brands and their own products to selling their own knowledge, their own images, their own content. And so I think we've really seen a transition where a lot of this has become about these creators selling their ideas, their experiences, their pictures, as opposed to going off and selling um, a one-off ad for Old Spice or whatever it may be. And so that's really the transition we've seen. But I think as part of that, um, and then and then also too, there has become over because you did have obviously Twitter has been around since whatever 2007 and has played played a role but really on like the influencer side you really had early on when when David really launched this idea of like a, a YouTuber back in whatever the year was 2010 and then and then in, Instagram really came into prominence on on the influencer yeah. side you have all these different platforms now that the if you're going to be a top tier creator you need to have a presence across all of these different platforms and so I, I think with that a combination of having a presence on all these different social platforms. And then if you pile on top of this idea of them also being entrepreneurs, you go to someone like Tom Brady's page, even he's not a traditional creator, but I think all of these athletes, celebrities have become that also. He's an entrepreneur. He's got every single one of his brands on there. He's got all of his different right. social presences. So I think the combination of those things, the fragmentation, as well as this idea of, of creators actually becoming their own businesses and becoming entrepreneurs really led to what the need was for what we've really built here. Yeah, and Jordan, I don't know if you want to touch on um, your your Web 2.5 concepts as well, but I mean, in terms of, you know, I think where we're at, it's, and, and Jordan will we'll touch on this a bit more, but it's really about looking at all these platforms, right? Like Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, whatever it might be, and understanding that each one of these creators on those platforms are leasing their audiences from those platforms, right? If you have 2 million followers on Instagram, you can communicate with those followers on Instagram. If you have 3 million followers on TikTok, you can communicate with those followers on TikTok, but you don't own those, right? Those platforms do. And so what I think we're really trying to build here is the ability for these creators, these individuals to become their own platform, to own their audience, to be able to have that more direct relationship to engage, to communicate, to to sell, to to connect, right? But yeah, I mean, in terms of the Web three side of things, I think you know we're we're still exploring it. We're still wrapping our heads around um, you know where that might take off. But Jordan, I know has been uh, super pumped up about the concept of Web two point five. If you want to jump in on that, well, yeah, and and and, and won't won't dive too deep into it. But I was actually I'm, I'm rattled because about sure. Four or five months ago, I, was, I we were sitting in a meeting. And I was like, "We're really in like Web 2.5 because we were talking about a lot of these integrations and like how well, like the role Web 3 plays in 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 the creator economy." And so I went out and and I, I got the Instagram handle Web 2.5. 
And like two weeks ago, I was watching a Gary V thing and he referenced 2.5, <laughs> web 2.5. And I'd never heard anyone else say web 2.5. And I went to log into the Instagram and friggin' somebody jacked it. It was just like, I hadn't posted to it. And so I, I'm, I was heated and I'm still trying to figure out a way, figure out a way to get it back. But like, it's been a really interesting time to, to start a company in the tech space because I think like, Everybody, like even the people that were building something completely unrelated to Web3, the, the distraction of Web3 and getting drawn to it, it's like, okay, how does this play in, into Web3 and like what's real in Web3 and what's yeah. fluff and what's going what's gonna to have longevity to it and what's going what's gonna to pass by. Um, so I think there is a lot of interesting stuff that we're going to see over, over the next couple of years as it pertains to like the, meta, the, the metaverse. And I, I, I will say when Cass and I were just connecting, I, I give it to Akash over at Genies because right. yeah, I think yeah. that like when early on, when they were, when they first launched Genies, which has now raised hundreds of millions of dollars, they were creating these avatars. And I was like, why are they creating another like, um, like Bitly? The company got, got purchased by Snapchat and the foresight that they had that like they were doing this and talking about the metaverse in 2016. And then you fast forward to 2021 and Mark Zuckerberg's paying like, a billion dollars for the domain meta and like the name meta. And these guys were like doing that other college dorm at, at, at Michigan and had that foresight. So I do love to see, and it's so interesting to see these bets people place on where the mar where the industry or, or where the tech space is going because two or three years down the road, you end up seeing who was right and who was wrong. And it's, it's just really interesting to see where people are placing those bets. Yeah, that's crazy. I mean, I think like, a lot of people are probably listening to this and it's like, you know, a lot of people I think are just nervous about getting involved in social media in general or, or how to think about this. You know, how do you feel like this impacts like the day-to-day -day person? You know, when you think about some of these trends and, you know, if you're, you know, an executive or busy, you know, someone trying to like make a name for themselves. And cause I, what I feel like a lot of, a lot of what I see is that people look at like these celebrities, right? Or these other people and not kind of realizing just where the world is heading. You know what I mean? Like the, that, that the social media isn't for like kids. It's not for like, you know, I don't know, like just doing certain prank videos or something like that. You know, like how do you, when you think of like the day-to-day -day person or even like yourselves, you know, how do you feel like this impacts them? Or like, what are some of the trends that like people that aren't kind of already at that level need to be aware of and think about? Well, I think, uh, and I was talking to someone about this the other day, the interesting thing about social and where it is now, if you think back to MySpace era, right? And, you know, that was my first, you know, social platform jumping on there. You know, you obviously went on there to connect with friends, right? And to, you know, message them when, when you got home That's from right. school, whatever it might be. And anybody on, you know, whether it's uh, Facebook or MySpace, they ended up with a lot of followers or a lot of friends because they were already doing something big. They were already a famous musician, a professional skier, a professional lacrosse player or an athlete. And so those were the people that had that large audience and were being able to, you know, more or less influence the rest of the people on those platforms. Now, fast forward to where we are now with, you know, platforms like Instagram, platforms like TikTok, um, you know, even looking at the pandemic, you have a lot of these kids that started in the pandemic with zero followers and they did, you know, 150 dances on TikTok throughout the entire uh, course of quarantine. And now they have, you know, 10 million TikTok followers. Right. And so I think, you know, there's this really open, vast uh, world on social that just allows eyeballs and allows quick 
you know, conversion for followers that just really isn't real. Um, so that's where, I mean, I even look at with what we're doing on, on the Whovi side where, you know, we, we are going to expand into becoming much more of a platform rather than just like a quote unquote website replacement where we have, you know, creator profiles and we have fan profiles, right? And, you know, we've kept Whovi invite only and exclusive to these creators, not because right. we care about the 10,000 plus followers, but because we care about this product being a good use for someone that needs it, right? Someone who's not just doing TikTok dances or taking pictures of their brunch, but someone who, you know, has a podcast, someone who is, you know, a, an up and coming musician, right. uh, someone who has, you know, multiple different social channels, like a David Dobrik figure that, you know, is creating a vlog, doing a podcast, um, has got, you know, his giveaways, has got his merch drops, um, you know, all of these different fragmented sides of the internet. And so being able to house that in one, but separate the idea of, are you just, you know, someone who, again, did this overnight and, you know, now you're trying to figure out what to do with this following, um, or are you someone that actually has a, a, a built up purpose behind the content you're creating? Yeah. Yeah. And I think that for a lot of people listening, you know, when I talk to a lot of like on the business, like leaders, right? Entrepreneurs, other CEOs like yourself too, it's like, I think like we all, you have a digital reputation, like it already exists, right? People, you know, you got to realize that in today's day and age, people Google you, right? Before they meet with you or talk to you. And so for a lot of people out there, you know, I would say too, it's like, you know, what you guys are doing is for these, you know, kind of certain like level of creator. And I think for a lot of people out there listening, it's, it's not just about that. And you don't have to master all your channels too, right? Like for a lot of people, it's just about like finding, like, what do you want your reputation to be? Like you already have one and like, you know, nobody's like, yeah, I want to be a nobody. Like, or I want to be like, I don't want to be known for doing great at whatever. And so for a lot of people, it's just about, you know, finding like that audience. And like you said, there's so many different mediums now that you can really make a name for yourself in what in like what's best for you. You know, like if you don't like making videos, maybe LinkedIn's like the best for you. If you like making videos and TikTok's the best, you know, kind of organic, you know, for you. So I just think for anybody listening, you know, you have a reputation, you know, my, yeah. you know, my question is always, what are you going to do about it? And, you know, to your point, how in, and obviously what you guys are doing is helping people as they start on that journey to be able to a certain level manage that, right? These multi-channels and platforms for people. Show the whole picture. Yeah. I think it's in, in the way you just said that, too, I think it's completely true. Like first impressions don't exist in person anymore when you're shaking someone's hand and looking them in the eyes. The first impressions already are already um, uh, they, they've already gotten to that. point. Yeah, no, it's very true. I mean, that's. That's usually, I mean, what I say about my Instagram feed is, you know, I'm not, I'm not on Instagram um, posting pictures, you know, every single day or, or trying to create the best, you know, the best content in the same way that, you know, a big creator would be. I'm, you know, sharing bits and pieces of what I want people to see because that's my business card in a sense. And, you know, the cool thing is that that's what, what Hoobie's kind of expanding into is, you know, obviously starting in the bios, but building out to be more of, you know, a discovery platform for these types of individuals, whether you're an entrepreneur, whether you're, um, again, a musician, an athlete, um, or some sort of public figure where it's like, here's kind of everything that you have going on in one place, you know, that LinkedIn channel, you know, that last, you know, article that was just written about you, the podcast, you just uh, were a guest on, et cetera, to get that snapshot, that, that one kind of bird's eye view look. Yeah. I think for people that are listening, hopefully, like, again, it's, it's a, uh... 
it's like, you know, once you get to this level, there's just so much, so many things that you, you have to do. I think it can be overwhelming, you know, for some folks. And that's obviously what you're trying to, you know, simplify as a part of it. So, so guys, look, I mean, uh, as we wrap up here, I mean, we're actually kind of, it's been an awesome conversation, you know, for me too, personally, as someone, you know, who's a content creator too, just to, you know, kind of hear, hear how you guys see it, etc. You started to talk about this and I'll, I'll have both of you answer it. It's, it's kind of the question I ask everyone at the end, like, and you, you kind of started to hint at this, like what's next? Like, what are, like what's the trend or what are the things that, that you all are seeing that you're like, this is what I'm excited. Like, and obviously you're excited about what you're doing now and that'll continue. And maybe it's as a part of the company. What's like the new, new, like, what are the things that if I'm, if I'm, you know, that you guys get, get you guys excited who are already kind of excitable guys on, you know, the future and, and where we're headed. Yeah, so, yeah, I'll, I'll take the lead on that. I mean, the, the thing that I'm pretty certain about, and we talk a lot about this, is is none of these social platforms are going anywhere. There will continue to be new social platforms for new niches in our life. Um, I believe, I'm a big believer that three, four years down the road, these large celebrities, these large creators are going to use these existing platforms, these existing audience to yeah. cast a line and to almost tease their audience with with their A1 content that ultimately does live behind the paywalls. We've already obviously seen the impact that that's had primarily in the adult space. But long term, I see, because like I said before, creators don't want to sell other people's product. They want to sell their knowledge. They want to sell their content. They want to sell their products. And so four or five years down the road, I see creators and influencers and celebrities of all types with a paywall in, in front of their content. And then in terms of, I'm trying to think in terms of the Web3 space, yeah. I, I do think we will continue to see a lot of these projects on, on the creator end, whether it be um, like primarily the NFT space. I think there's going to be a lot of interesting stuff that does exist in, in the metaverse as well. Um, how that plays into um, these existing platforms and what the integrations end up being and how people end up drawing people from platforms like Instagram or TikTok into the metaverse is still is still to be seen, but really excited about the future of the creator economy, economy, but I do see it continuing to shift from selling other people's products to selling their own ideas, their own products, their own knowledge. Yeah, I love that. And you're seeing that, I mean, you're seeing that again, it's like for anybody listening, it's like, you don't have to be like, there's these niches, there's like these niches. I like the word niche over niche, but it's, it's crazy. Like, you know, if you have a passion, like, dude, I mean, you can get a million followers on YouTube or something, you know, like it's pretty wild. Just like how, like, because like you said, the first impressions and how people discover things, just how it, with a little bit of focus and just being honest with yourself about things you're passionate about, just how you can, you know, grow and how you can kind of align your life to your passion. And, you know, because of this creator economy, you can create a business that is you based around a passion that you have. And I feel like more and more people need to think about that and, and hear it. Kasson, what about you, man? Yeah, I mean, I think that's spot on. It's it's really, it's it's a passion economy, you know, over over anything else, right? But yeah, I mean, to, to Jordan's point, I, I have a strong belief that Every big name um, with a big following on social will eventually have a paywall surrounding the content that they like the more in-depth content, right? And they're, they're going to be using Instagram, they're going to be using uh, TikTok, these other platforms to really push that teaser content out um, in order to draw you back in. And I think, you know, one word of advice is, is you know, if you want to see what's next, usually uh, pay attention to the adult space. Uh, the first uploaded video on the internet was, I believe, uh, Pamela Anderson and Tommy Lee's sex tape. Right. <laughs> right. 
And that really, you know, was the first, uh, I think, time that uh, payments were even being made online, right? So, uh, putting a credit card number uh, down for, um, you know, a subscription, right? And so I think being able to look at what's happened, um, you know, throughout the OnlyFans yeah, exactly. space and some of the Patreon stuff and seeing how we can really bridge that to um, non-adult related content and non-adult related uh you know, figures as well is kind of where our head's really at right now. But it's really, as Jordan said, kind of creating that platform or creating our users into their own platform and giving them the freedom, giving them the ability to own their audience and to really, you know, create with without any uh, restrictions. I love that. And I think, you know, for anyone listening, I think it's, it, this is a hundred percent. I, you know, I, I couldn't agree more. You know, you're even seeing it with OnlyFans, right? OnlyFans is branching out and getting, you know, non uh, certain types of content. So guys, look, I really enjoyed it. I think this is a great conversation. I think not only is it cool to kind of hear your guys' stories of just such kind of different backgrounds and coming together. And I think what you guys are doing as business partners, I think is a great break from the norm too, which is like, you don't have to follow these, these constructs of like, well, you don't do business with friends, etc. Like if it works, it works. And you know, you guys have built an amazing business together. And you know, I love that you guys have kind of like moved together too. It's just a great extra touch. But I think also your story and then plus, you know, your views on what's next. I hope, you know, people listening are both entertained, but also, you know, maybe take the courage or think about themselves and think about you know, this idea of, hey, how am I going to be a part of this? It's going to happen. And like, what are you going to do about it? You know, are you going to have this passion economy? Are you going to start to follow some of your passions or are you going to keep, you know, putting your head down, working the nine to five when reality is, you know, you love, I don't know, baking bunt cakes or some shit, right? So Jordan Casson really enjoyed having you guys on the show. Yeah, a lot of fun. So thank you guys. Thank you everyone for tuning in. We will see you next week on the Jake Dunlap show. Thanks so much, man. It was awesome. Thank you. Thank you, everyone, again for listening to another episode. If you are listening all the way to the end, I hope you have left a review. I hope that you make sure that you're following or subscribing on your favorite podcast listening apparatus. We'll be back next Thursday. And again, make sure to check out the Monday episodes as well, too. A lot of people are really enjoying these kind of mini episode Mondays. So make sure to tune in, subscribe, and leave a review. 